everybody. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition. With your hosts, Tiffany Hales and Ariane Smith. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! First podcast of 2022! Yes, we're honored. We're honored that Jeff interested us. I know. (laughs) So fun. We kind of don't know what day of the week it is, but... No, we don't know what day of the week it is. You know, I have to tell you, um, you know, with essentially two holiday weekends, because with Christmas and New Year's falling on Saturday, the legal holiday was Friday... And I work from home on Thursdays to begin with anyway. Like by, la- by the end of last week, I was like, I don't know what day it is. It feels like a Saturday every single day. I, I need order back in my life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we went to, well, you know this, but we went the day after Christmas down to Arizona to see my in-laws, which we like to do after Christmas. Yes. Um, Arizona in December is delightful. Well, it's more delightful than what was going on here in Idaho, <laughs> that's for sure. We didn't get the greatest weather this year. We usually hope for 70s. This year yeah. we were more like 55 and we had like mm, one and a half days of sun. And it break my heart, <laughs> a please. Few, a few days of rain. But I some cheese with your wine. I decided not to complain because back in Idaho, it was like a frozen tundra. It was. We had massive snowstorms. And then essentially the last um, two days of the year, plus the first of January, we had an Arctic cold come in and it was getting down into single digits. Yes. So So we got back last night and we were like, oh, you were shell shocked. What happened here? (laughs) There's snow all over and it hasn't melted yet. Well, the good news is, is it's warming up this week. And so every day is supposed to be above freezing. So a lot of that snow is going to go away. Mother nature will take care of that for you. I hope so. Because at this point, I'm really missing Arizona. (laughs) Well, I know Jeff doesn't like Arizona. He's going at the wrong time of year. Exactly. (laughs) If he were to go in the months of December, January, and February, he might feel differently about Arizona. (gasps) So, well, New Year's for me started off rather interesting. I was joking today. I said, somebody, or or, um, 2022 turned to the year 2021 and said, here, hold my Diet Coke and sit back and watch. (laughs) Because that's kind of how it's been for me. So, um, uh, you know, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day was relatively uneventful. I took my Christmas down, et cetera. So we go to church on Sunday. Every single year on Sunday, the first Sunday in January, Ma Ward sings this hymn. And I have to tell you, I think it is one of the most awful hymns in the hymn book. It needs to go. When if when and if they ever get the hymn book revision done, I'm like, please, please take this out. It serves no purpose. It's annoying. Let me just play you a few lines of what I consider to be one of the most annoying hymns ever. Most one of the most like de- top five, uh, probably top, probably my, top three, probably top three. Okay. Like I would do the sunshine songs over any really? of these. Really? Because I and know you hate the sunshine. You know songs. how I feel about the bear hall songs. <laughs> I would hands down rather sing a bear hall song than sing this song. Uh-huh. And I always forget that we sing it the first Sunday in New Year in the new year, and so we get to church. I, the, 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 you know, we're starting the opening hymn. I turn to it and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to play, play a snippet from the LDS tools music. Okay. Let's hear it. (laughs) Okay. Do you recognize? Yes. Ring wild bells. Ring out wild bells. Ring out wild bells. I don't think I realized it was a hymn still. Well, it was a hymn. Yeah, it's we um, never sing it. You sing it every year. We sing it every year, the first Sunday in January, and I'm like, it's hard to sing and it's depressing. I don't feel like my ward sings that. Yeah. I feel like I've sang that a handful of times my whole life. I don't know who it is in my ward that loves <laughs> this song for New Year's, but somebody in my ward loves this song for New Year's. What about "Come Let Us Anew"? Now that we sing for the closing hymn, I feel like I sing that every year. And I love that one. I do love that one. In fact, I love that one so much. You, I don't know if you recall this. I picked that out for our dad's funeral as one of the hymns for our dad's funeral. Because I think it's a very funeral appropriate hymn. It is. But also, I think it should be sung year round. I, I think, think it should be too. I think we need to sing it in January. No. We're renewing every week Exactly. Church. And the and Motab and has a lovely rendition of it. Mm-hmm. They don't sing it just in January. 
Well, if I were to bet money, I would bet that that Wild Bill song won't make the cut. I hope the Wild Bill song. But I could be. I could be wrong. I mean, what's it even about? It's it's about. Let's look at the. <laughs> Are there any gospel here. principles in that song? Well, you don't you don't get to you don't get to the gospel principles until verse three. Verse three. The first verses are the just first, about the bells. First, the first year. The first verses are about the year is dying in the night. Oh. Ring out wild bells and let him die. And then it's ring out the old, ring in the new. Again, there's nothing cheery about it's this very song. Very theatrical, isn't it's it? Very theatrical. <laughs> And then we get to the third verse, ring in the valiant men and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Then we get ring in the Christ that is to be, ring out the darkness of the land, ring in the Christ that is to be. Okay, so we... we we, we get one mention. I, I, I call it a veil. I would say it's a veiled <laughs> mention of Christ. It is not a Christ-centered hymn. Yeah, that one needs to go. It needs to go. So we sing that in sacrament meeting. And then we proceed to Sunday school and I'm sitting there in Sunday school and all of a sudden my phone starts to vibrate. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm getting spammed in Sunday school. So I pick up the phone and look at it and it's my boss calling me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I work for the state. We generally don't work on Sunday. If he's calling me on a Sunday, whatever this is about, it is not good. So I didn't want to get up and leave Sunday school. So I just sent him a text saying, hey, I'm in church. I'll call you in 30 minutes. And he replied back and he's like, I left you a voicemail. Just listen to the voicemail and let me know if you have any issues. So I listened to the voicemail after church and the voicemail was, hey, hope you have your laptop at home because pipes broke in our building. There's water and live electricity. You can't come to work tomorrow. I was like, okay. So fortunately, I did have my laptop at home. And then today we had a staff meeting uh, via Microsoft mm -hmm. Teams to kind of discuss what was going on. And so we have a, this building is very old. It was built in the 50s or 60s. It's, I love it because it's mid-century modern. I love mid-century modern. That's my favorite style. It's a lovely seafoam green. The bathrooms have pink tile, but it is very old and has a number of issues. In fact, this summer when we had extreme heat, the AC went out in my building because it couldn't handle it. Well, apparently it couldn't handle the extreme cold because the HVAC unit, which is on top of the building, cracked spewing forth water from the third floor down to the second floor down to the first floor, flooding the entire building. Well, at least a majority of the building, the section where the legal department is in, we didn't sustain any water damage. But the other problem is because it is such an old building, it has asbestos. So all that asbestos in the ceiling tiles came down. So today they said, okay, the asbestos is wet. It's not a problem when the asbestos is wet, but once the asbestos starts to dry, it's a hazmat site. So get your little butts into your office Get whatever you think you're going to need to work remotely for mm -hmm. a few months. It, they said it could be anywhere from two months to six months, but we all kind of think that's a joke and it's probably going to be more like a year is what we honestly think given given the conditions. So I'm in my office today trying to go, okay, uh, this is not how this day had planned. I had a mm -hmm. lovely new outfit to wear on my first day back to work in 2022. I'm in my Christmas vacation attire of black black leggings and a sweatshirt. And so I'm trying to decide what do I need to take home? I don't know how long I'm going to be. I'm not going to be able to return to the building, you know. I don't my our boss said don't pack up every little thing, just mm. take what you need. What do you need? And so I just kind of guessed and I threw stuff in my car. And when I got home, my son was home from school and I was like, Mark, unload my car. And so he just brought it all into my home office. So tomorrow I'm going to have to like reconfigure and rearrange my home office um, like I did during COVID. Uh, because although I've been working from home, I just do that two days a week with my laptop. And that's not that big of a deal. Since it's going to be five days a week, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm setting up monitors and just all sorts of stuff. So alas, you're back to remote. <sighs> alas, I am back to remote. Remote working. So yes, that's why 2022 I'm like, and then I go to Costco tonight. They're out of Skinny Pop and the Good Chicken Nuggets. Bummer. I know. <laughs> You're having a rough day. I'm having a rough time. And then I come over to your house tonight because 
we need to revisit a, a an issue. And I get even more disturbing news on this topic that we're going oh, to revisit. Right. We'll, we'll discuss this now, the garments. We talked yes. about the great garment shortage a few months ago. Or as I like to call it, beehive clothing in crisis. Yes. It's been a few months. There's still a garment shortage. Well, and when I went into, so the garment shortage happened sometime around mm-hmm. September. I think we kind of really discovered it in October. When I went into Deseret Book in, um, I had I had bought the wrong tops for my husband. So I went to return them and our distribution is in Deseret Book. I asked the lady, I said, hey, when's this garment shortage? You know, what's going on? She's like, oh, January, we'll be fully stocked by January. It's not looking so good. It's not looking good at all. And my husband had a freak out moment today. Okay. <laughs> because he has been regularly checking the website. He's getting real close here to like having to be garmentless. Yes. <laughs> so. And I can appreciate that because let me tell you what I had to do yesterday. I figured this was a good Sunday activity. My garments are holy. And I don't mean in the spiritual <laughs> sense. I mean in the physical sense. So yesterday I sat down at my sewing machine and I was repairing garments so that I could continue to wear them. Desperate times. People. Desperate times. So he's been getting on every week or so online to see if they're back in stock. And he popped on today and his favorite tops and bottoms for men are the poly cotton. The crew. The crew. Crew top and the poly cotton bottoms. He clicks on them to see if they're in stock, and normally they say out of stock. Today, when he clicked on them, they said discontinued. <gasps> oh, the horror. <laughs> so, the horror of discontinued underwear. He was like freaking the freak out. Because as well he should be. This is his favorite material, and you, you know you get used to your thing. Oh, yeah. And so we started clicking around to see what else was discontinued. Oh. Um, they still have the 100% cotton, but they're getting rid of the... No, they have the 100% cotton in the crew. In the crew. And they, of course, have the stretch cotton, which doesn't have the crew neck. It just has the rounded neckline. Right. Yeah. But they are getting rid of dry lux. Dry lux. And they're getting rid of the onesie. Yes. Well, not all the onesies. Just the onesie and the cotton poly. Anyway. Yeah. They still have those mesh ones. Now, if you're going to get rid of anything, why are you not getting rid of the mesh? I feel like that's for the 70 and up crowd. Seriously, they're dying off. They're all getting COVID. No offense if you like the mesh. Anyway. No, I think there needs to be offense if you like the mesh because I want to know what's wrong with you if you like the mesh garments. (laughs) So we were trying to solve this mystery tonight when you got here. We were discussing because your husband also likes... The dry, he likes the, the, the dry poly, lux poly cotton in the crew, and right. he is very particular. He tried the new stretch cotton that has the rounded high. Mm-hmm. It's a high neckline, but it's not like the crew, and it doesn't have the ribbing like the crew has. And he couldn't stand it. He's like, Ugh, gross! Give me the crew. Right. So we were clicking around. We immediately went to the women's section to see. Yes. Oh my goodness, are they discontinuing the women's? Well, it turns out the women's are down to three different materials. They have the dry silk, the stretch cotton, the caranessa. That's all they have now for women. That is crazy. But the don't men, you feel like there was like five or six there fabric were a choices? Whole bunch. There used to be a whole That's bunch. That's what I thought. I feel like at least six. I feel like, yeah, at least so six. So the men still have six, like at least six different materials. Yeah. So we're our, our, you know. Your theory. Our running theory, because, you know, we know what we're talking about totally, is <laughs> that they are paring down the men's choices. So they will only have like three to choose from also. Oh, that's just frightening. Now, see, I have yet to tell my husband. I have, because I didn't know about this till he right. came over tonight. I have yet to tell him that dry lux is no more. Maybe it's a typo. Maybe it just meant to say out of stock and somebody accidentally so. put in discontinued. Based on what I saw on the <laughs> women's site where they've pared down the fabric choices, I'm a little bit concerned. And this this is going to send my husband into a tailspin. Well, I feel like this is going to send a lot of guys. I feel yeah. like this is the most popular because the 100% cotton they say is really hot. Yeah. Right? Well, and that's why my husband, he, he, like I said, he likes a crew neck, but he doesn't like the 100% cotton because, and the dry lux has some wicking properties to it. He works construction. So in the summertime he's outside mm-hmm. and he's hot. And the cotton poly is thinner yes. than regular exactly. 100% cotton. So I feel like this might be an unpopular choice. I would like to know if they surveyed. 
Did they do one of their fancy surveys? You know, I and know. And who did they survey? Because I don't feel like they surveyed the, you know, 70 and younger than 70 crowd. They they clearly didn't <laughs> survey the men between about 40 and 60. Because I think all the men between about 40 and 60 grew up with that crew neck. Uh-huh. And a good majority of them don't want to give up that crew neck. I, we could have a little revolt here. We could have a garment revolt over the lack of the crew neck for the men. This will be interesting. I know. It'll be interesting to see if the men will be as vocal about discontinued garment styles right. as you know in all likelihood the women would be. But I think the three fabrics that they left for the women, the dry silk, the stretch cotton, and the Karenessa, everybody I know is wearing one of those three. Everyone's pretty So yeah. there's probably not a lot of discontent among the ladies that those other choices have gone away. I don't know. I just like desperate times here between the discontinuing and just the fact that nothing is in stock. Yeah. I feel like we're going to have to start sewing our own garments, Ooh. which I think there's rules on that. You're the only one I know that has skills to do that. So <laughs> you're hired. <laughs> but uh, no, I remember, isn't there something in the handbook that like... If you get special permission and you do it a very certain way, you can, yes. or is that no longer? Maybe that was like, well, maybe they removed that from the hand. <laughs> I don't know. They I, might need to add it back in because at the rate we're going. Because beehive clothing is in crisis. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that there's some rules and I know you have to get permission. You can't just like, oh, hey, I'm going to sew myself some garments. Can't start a little side business. <laughs> can't start a little side because gig. Because now would be the time. Deseret clothing would not even know what hit them. <laughs> Little side gig on Etsy sewing garments. Be like, oh, you can't get fabric? Well, guess what? I can. I'm running down to Joanne's. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the rules on that are. I know there's rules. If we get desperate enough, we might have to look it up. But like I said, at the moment, I'm mostly concerned about breaking the news to my husband that he's no longer going to get Drylux crew. <laughs> that is not going to go over well. Yeah. <sighs> Well, in other news. Yes, we will continue to keep you updated as we learn more information about the great garment shortage, beehive clothing in crisis. Yes, we really need someone on the inside. I I feel like there should be a press release about this. Well, This is important enough news. You know what? I Googled tonight. I was like, surely there has to be an article somewhere that maybe we've missed on this. Because this is a big topic of discussion. And when I went to Google tonight to see if I could find, you know, like a Deseret News article Uh or Salt Lake Tribune or something like that. No, the top Google post that comes up on the great garment shortage is our podcast we recorded (laughs) three months ago. Well, there you go. Breaking news. Apparently, we're the only ones talking about it. Yeah. Maybe because we're not supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, Okay. Let's do some news. In other news, um, we have a story about the Colorado wildfires. Um, You probably heard about them last week. On December 30th, there was like this crazy wind, 100 miles per hour, just raged through um, the Boulder area of Colorado. and. I can't believe how many buildings, close to a thousand buildings and houses were destroyed. And the winds were like a hundred miles an hour and people just had no notice. Right. Well, and it's not the right time of year. No, not at all. You don't think of a wildfire in December in Colorado? No. You think they're going to be buried in snow. Right. Which they were after, shortly after the wildfire, which was another issue. Um, But it said in this article, nearly 500 members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were among the 35,000 people that had to evacuate their homes. Um, so everybody is safe and accounted for who's a member of the church. All the missionaries and all the members um, have been accounted for, um, although at least 11 had homes that were destroyed, 11 members. Wow. Um, so it talked about one family whose um, house was destroyed, the Spindle family in the Boulder Ward. Um, this is like terrifying their account of what happened. They were inside and they just thought that the dark clouds were a storm. And by the time they realized it was smoke, the fire was already in their neighborhood. Um, So it said they opened the front door, grabbed their shoes and coats, and there were embers and smoke out the front door. So they kicked a screen out of a back window and like went to the back of the house. crazy. I know. Can you imagine? I mean, even like 
in wildfire season, you usually have enough notice, evacuation yeah, notice to grab exactly. like a box of pictures yeah. or something. But this was like, get out now. Exactly. Immediately. So they jumped a fence, tried to get in their car and go, but they said they couldn't see a thing to drive. It was too that dangerous. That is nuts. So they jumped another fence, ran across a field, got to a different road where a couple of guys picked him up and drove him. Uh, they said these nice people drove him 30 minutes away to her sister's house, um, Shayla, who is the wife. Um, but they lost everything and they had just moved there. They had come from Alabama and had just fully moved into their house um, just a couple weeks Aww. before this. So sad. But they did say that they feel so blessed. People have chipped in. People have donated things. People have um, really stepped up and they're feeling very grateful and blessed. I'm sure just blessed to be alive. Yes. And then um, there was an area president um, that talked about two of the affected wards in that Boulder stake, um, that their ward councils got together and acted quickly. They were evacuated, but they got together in whatever town they evacuated yeah. to. And they started um, just calling people. They got the young men involved. They had a couple of their priests, young men there, and they had, gave them a list and said, start calling people. And exactly. Just how great it was that they were able to help out. Well, and they taught them. They said the Iranic mm -hmm. priesthood is for temporal needs, and this is temporal. So get on the phone and start dialing. Yeah. Which you wonder, priests, are they capable of like placing a phone call? Are they like, phone call? I know. Can I text? Well, that was probably a very good experience for them. <laughs> exactly. And hopefully a type of phone call they don't have to place on the regular. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so that was kind of the first rallying together of saints yes. this past week. And then we have another one, um, Swan Valley Community, which is a little town kind of on the border of Idaho and Wyoming between Rexburg and or between Idaho Falls and the Tetons, um, they had a bout of bad weather last Sunday, December 26th, which I know because we drove through that side of the state on our way down to Arizona and it was awful. I know you said it was the worst winter driving oh, you've ever had. It's the worst. I was white knuckling it and praying the whole time. <laughs> we saw so many cars off the road and that was just on the freeway to Utah, not on these side little highways. So um, US Highway 26, which is near Swan Valley, closed, I think they said for over 13 hours um, because the storm conditions yeah. got so bad. And there were a lot of people that were traveling home from the holidays, yeah. from visiting relatives and family. And there are not any big hotels in Swan Valley. Well, it only has a thousand people. <laughs> they were stuck there. Um, so what they did was, um, of course, members of the church rallied. They opened the church building. I'm assuming this town of a thousand people has a very strong church membership. Well, given their location, I think that's a fair <laughs> so assessment. They got the emergency management and the fire district to bring over um, trailer of cots and blankets and hygiene kits. Um, residents and members pitched in with meals, desserts, and toys for the kids to keep them busy. And they had a little sleepover at the church Aww. building. So that was a good story. I love it when you see um, church members coming together yeah. like that and especially using our buildings exactly. for good things like that. Exactly. So. so. All right. So there, it, I mean, it's kind of been a slow news week for the last few weeks. It was especially slow during, it's always slow the week between Christmas mm -hmm. and New Year's. There's just not a lot going on in the world because just like you said earlier, you don't even know what day of the week it is. Mm -hmm. You're just on vacation. But one of the, probably the biggest story to come out uh, that is LDS related from last week is that former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, one of the highest ranking Latter-day Saints elected officials, died at the age of 82. So his wife issued a statement and she said, I'm heartbroken to announce the passing of my husband, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. He died peacefully this afternoon, surrounded by our family, following a courageous four-year battle with pancreatic cancer. So um, anyway... As many of you know, he was a Democrat. He was elected from the state of Nevada. Uh, he rose through the ranks of Democratic leadership. Um, first, he was elected in the House, and then he was elected in the Senate. And eventually, he was the Senate Majority Leader. He was the Minority Leader under President George W. Bush, and then he became the Majority Leader when Barack Obama was elected. So the first presidency issued a statement 
And so let me just read the statement issued by the first presidency. They said, and first presidency being all three members of the first presidency, Senator Reed was a devoted and capable public servant who was dedicated to his family, his faith, and his country. We are grateful for his tireless service in each of these facets of a will of a life well lived. We pray that Senator Reed's loved ones will be blessed and sustained at this tender time of parting and in the years ahead. Okay. Well, you can only imagine the firestorm of controversy that the condolences issued by the first presidency ignited. Right. So this, you can't stay out of the comments. Oh, I can't stay out of the comments. It's like a train wreck. It's like a comment curator. So, I am a comment curator. So that the rest of us don't, don't have, have to, to go dive there. into the garbage pit that is the Facebook comment section. Yes. So I did not look at the Deseret News ones. I strictly mm. looked at the ones on the um, Church News uh, Facebook page because that's always very entertaining. Which I still can't believe they haven't removed the comment section. I hey, maybe they maybe they enjoy that. Maybe someone in Salt Lake enjoys the feedback as much as I do. So there were only four three hundred and ninety nine comments on this post, which again, given the vitriol we have seen on several other posts that had no political relation but took political offense to people. Uh, this, you know, three ninety nine is relatively mild. Um, I don't know. Maybe they turned off the comments, or it could just be like the rest of us. Everybody was like trying to figure out what day of the week it was last week. So, I picked some juicy ones to share because it's just always fun. And after I share those, we'll we'll then talk a little bit about Senator Reed. So this one says, "I am mad at the church for putting out any kind of statement." Why is this snake any more deserving than countless bishops, stake presidents, relief society presidents, etc., that actually changed lives? The church PR department is causing a lot of division by saying anything negative or positive about him, especially when he accused a prophet of leading people down the wrong path. What is she referring to? I have no idea. But also... The church does this anytime somebody prominent passes away. Exactly. Like they would have done this for Romney or Orrin Hatch or exactly. even just like a prominent businessman. Exactly. Who's a member of the church. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing too is the PR department, they say the PR department is causing a lot of division. Well, this wasn't written by the PR department. Well, it might have been, but it was signed <laughs> by the members of the first presidency and the PR department was just the vehicle by which it was released. Right. So this is, again, I love it when these commenters just think the PR department's going rogue. I know. <laughs> we have rogue people at the PR department. They can sign anything they want from the first presidency. <laughs> exactly. That's a lot of power. That they've had a coup. <laughs> they've taken over. Anyway, so then there was another one that said, this is very confusing to me. Faithful servant. All Harry Reid did was lie and cheat. This is very disappointing. And then, of course, one of my favorites. A lot of misinformation went to the first presidency. It reminds me of the comments where people were saying, I don't know if it was on the vaccine. I think it was on the vaccine, all the statements they've made on the vaccine, mm. where people were saying somebody needs to take CNN away from the first presidency. They're watching too much CNN. They're getting indoctrinated. <laughs> anyway, it's just um, – anyway, then finally the last one, I usually support opinions. In this case, they're just going along with the propaganda of glorifying a rotten, dangerous politician that purposely put his money and influence into making him and his family rich. Yeah. So anyway, those are the comments on the first presidency statement. <laughs> now let's talk about Senator Reid. A couple of things that I learned upon his passing. Um, first of all, when he was first elected to the House of Representatives, he moved his family back to Virginia, and they happened to be in the same neighborhood as Rex E. Lee and his family. And this was when Rex E. Lee was the Solicitor General. So they were in the same neighborhood. They were in the same ward. Mike Lee, who is the son of Rex Lee and is a current senator serving from the state of Utah, um, he was 11 years old when the Reeds moved in and the Reeds had a son named Josh Reed, who was also 11 years old. So Josh and Mike, believe it or not, became BFFs. 
They went to the same school together. I think he said they played on the same soccer team. They did scouts together. They just hung out together all the time. So Senator Mike Lee was sharing some of his memories of um, Senator Reid, and I really appreciated a lot of what he had to say. Um, He talked about Senator Reid was their home teacher for a period of time. Apparently, he was a very faithful home teacher. And he was one of Rex Lee's dear friends. Now, you can imagine they are on very opposite aisles when it comes to politics. But I love the fact that they were clearly able to set aside their differences and see each other as human beings and be able to form this friendship despite their political differences. And don't you feel like Ward's... And congregations in D.C. are probably so much better at this than we are here. Oh. I mean, Jeff, Jeff could probably attest exactly. to Exactly. I mean, this is just normal life. You, yeah. You have different views on things. You go to work in politics. Yeah. You disagree. And then it's okay. You still talk to each other. You're still yeah. friends. You're still friendly. Yeah. It's not like a big deal. Exactly. At least that's how I envision. Maybe that's a romanticized. I, yeah. <laughs> that's how I envision it is there. And we cannot manage to do that here for some exactly. reason. Well, and I kind of wonder if it's become more divisive there as well, uh-huh. because it used to be like that in our country. You know, uh-huh. when you look back at the 80s, you know, just even the 80s, just even the Reagan administration, which uh-huh. so many Republicans revere, there was a lot of give and take and compromise in the 80s, and you didn't have the polarization mm-hmm. that we see today. So, you know, I kind of wonder about that. But but to Mike Lee's credit, he still considered Harry Reid a very close friend and did not polarize Harry Reid for his political mm-hmm. beliefs. In fact, Mike Lee tells this story. When he was a little boy and he and Josh Reid were messing around, um, Harry Reid locked the two of them in the garage, like purposely locked the two of them in the garage. I can't remember what they were doing, but they they joke that, you know, he locked him in the garage. And Mike's like, yeah, and we were just having so much fun in there that we kind of really didn't even care we were locked in the garage. <laughs> Good thing you could get in big trouble for that these exactly. days. Exactly. <laughs> so Mike Lee goes on to say, Harry would kind of joke about that sometimes. He was notorious for Thursday afternoon votes and threatened to keep the Senate in session for the weekend. He always joked about locking everybody in the chamber. He'd say, I've locked up a senator before, in reference to Senator Lee when he was a child. <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And Senator Lee also tells a story about how when he was sworn in as, as a Senator, um, Harry Reid was already in leadership and Harry Reid motions for him to come over. And I, I can't remember I don't recall because I didn't print that story off. I just read it. Harry Reid made some really kind of funny remark to Mike Lee right after he Mm -hmm. was sworn in as a senator. And um, anyway, so Harry Reid was interviewed by the Deseret News. And I found this in 2017. I found this very interesting. He says, first of all, I've never been counseled, talked to, threatened, cajoled, admonished, given any direction by any one of the general authorities about what I should or shouldn't do as a member of the United States Senate or House of Representatives, which I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. He basically said that if there was something that was important to them, they would call him up, express their view, not ask him to do anything, just express their view. Mm -hmm. And then he would take that into consideration. Right. The other thing that the article talks about is, um, Senator Reed did a lot of things behind the scenes for the church. A couple of really kind of laudable things he did is he gained congressional approval for the Church of Jesus Christ to secure a controversial lease with the Bureau of Land Management for a historic site in Wyoming known as Martin's Cove. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea he was involved. That he helped the church work through a long and complicated process with the Israeli government and the city of Jerusalem to build the BYU Jerusalem Center. Also, did not know he was involved in that, did not know that anyway. Um, uh, Orrin Hatch had good things to say about him. He said he's the embodiment of the American dream. Um, he grew up very poor in a shack with no indoor toilet, hot water, or telephone. And um, it said he hitchhiked 40 miles each day to attend school in Henderson, Nevada. Wow. And um, he didn't even know what a senator or a majority leader was wow. as, as a kid. So um, he, um, uh, what does it say here? He was, apparently he was um, quite a fighter 
And he did politicize the workings of the Senate. He'd bring to the floor issues that would have never seen the light of day if there was someone who loved to fight. It was Harry Reid. Um, and then there was, um, you may remember in 2012, he accused Mitt Romney of not paying taxes. And that didn't go over very well. And it came out that, yes, Mitt Romney did pay taxes. He paid several million dollars in taxes. And Harry Reid never apologized for that. And when asked about it, Harry Reid was like, well, he didn't, he didn't get elected, did he? <laughs> this was his presidential campaign. Right. So there was a rift there between those two for a while. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is Mike Levitt, who is a former um, Secretary of the Interior, former governor for Utah, and currently the president of the Tabernacle Choir at um, Temple Square, negotiated a peace treaty between these two. He brought them together and he said, okay, boys, we're going to sit down and break bread and make peace. That is fascinating. So, I mean, obviously it happened sometime after the 2012 <laughs> election, but... Um, how how wise of Mike Levitt to say, you both are men that I love. Come right. on, let's 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 make kiss and make up here. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good story. So I, I thought it I thought it was a good story. So um anyway, very Senator Reed, very polarizing figure among yes. clearly among members of the church. Um but That's so important. I just yeah. think it's so important for us as members to have people in leadership on both sides. Exactly. To see that reflection of the variety of exactly. views that we all have as church exactly. members. Um, and I've said it before and I'll mm -hmm. say it again. If you sat the members of the First Presidency and 12 down, you are going to find political views on both sides of the aisle. I am 100% I am confident about that. Oh, yeah. So I think we all have our guesses. We do all have our guesses, <laughs> but we'll never know. We, for sure. Yeah, we'll never know. That's <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> Which is very smart. Yes. Can you imagine the Facebook comments? Oh, <laughs> so. oh. <laughs> all right. Um, next story is a COVID story. Of course, we could not have a podcast without a COVID story. Oh no, we have to have a good COVID story. Um, this is about the MTC implementing. Increased COVID-19 protocols after 91 out of 588 missionaries in the MTC recently tested positive. Yes. So, so I figure that's about 16, 17%. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, they're all vaccinated. Exactly. Um, but because they are all vaccinated, it did say few have reported being symptomatic or feeling ill. So yeah. I'm sure this could have been much worse. Exactly. Um, but so what had happened is they had a couple that felt ill. They tested those. They came back positive, And then they tested all the missionaries. Yes. And that's how they found out 91 of them were positive. Okay. Even though they were showing those Surprise! signs. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> you get a positive test. You get a positive <laughs> test. And you get a positive <laughs> test. So, so now they have like kind of isolated. And they said, luckily, with the reduced capacity yeah. at the MTC, there's plenty of room to isolate the people that need to be isolated. Um, additional protocols are now in place involving procedures in the cafeteria and the gym. Face coverings will be worn indoors during all classes, meetings, and devotionals, which I would have assumed that they yeah. were already doing that, but um, now they are for sure. Yes. Um, also, missionaries now will not go out for their assignment um, unless they have a negative test before they leave. Mm -hmm. um, also, missionaries coming in on Wednesdays. Have to have a negative test yeah. before they come in, which again, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised they weren't already doing that. But, I know. Well, but I, I think that they probably just thought the vaccination exactly. requirement would be enough, which it was enough a while ago, but not anymore. The other thing too is like testings are really hard to come by these days. You can't, the rapid testing is not available. You can only get that PCRN test, but that takes days to get back. Yeah. I wonder how they're doing this. I don't know how they're maybe doing they, this. Maybe they have it inside. Who knows? Inside, inside with some medical testing. <laughs> so um, anyway, just very interesting. Uh, they did say that um, they are continuing, which I kind of knew because mm -hmm. I have friends with kids going on missions right now. They are continuing the phased approach of the MTC where most missionaries yeah. will do a week or two at home. 
before they leave for the MTC and do however many weeks they need to do at the MTC. And it sounds like that is going to be a permanent thing. I think it is going to be a permanent thing. And speaking with a couple of moms who've had children that have done that, I think, you know, obviously they did the home MTC and then sent people directly out to the field during COVID. Um, And now they're kind of doing a hybrid that one of the things about the hybrid that is really good is it kind of eases the transition into mission life Mm -hmm. because you meet your district online, you meet your companion online, you know, you see them every day for a week. So by the time you arrive at the MTC, these people in mission life is familiar to you as opposed to the rip the bandaid approach of dropping your kids off, waving goodbye and everybody crying. And then, I mean, I can only imagine on those nights that, there, the drop-off days that there is probably lots of <laughs> all night long. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, that totally makes sense. That that would be yeah. our rationale for keeping this new system. Exactly. Anyway, okay. So our next story is now we do not have confirmation that these people are LDS. But all circumstantial evidence points that way. And here's the circumstantial evidence that I have a lawyer have gathered that leads me to deduce these people are LDS. First of all, they live in Rexburg. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding. Second, there are a couple that got married in February. She's only 21. I don't know how old he is, but he doesn't look that old anyway. So they seem like a really cute little couple who just got married last February and are going to school at BYUI. So high probability. High probability. So the story. Well, l- l- let me let me just give you the background story here, and then we'll get to the good part. So they get married in February. They are not planning on having a baby. She has an IUD in. So come June, she's feeling really nauseous, and so she has this IUD in, and she thinks, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm just sick." But her husband says, um, no, you're pregnant. Well, she laughs at him and she's like, yeah, okay, I'll take a pregnancy test just to humor you and prove to you that I'm not pregnant. Except it came back positive. <laughs> this article terrifies me. As well, an IUD lover myself, <laughs> nothing brings fear into me more quickly than this article. <laughs> So she goes to the hospital on July 1st. I'm not really sure why she went to the hospital, you know, rather than just like a regular OBGYN appointment, but she goes to the hospital, they do an ultrasound and they say, oh, by the way, you're having triplets. That is crazy. It's so crazy. And they were all, they all survived. They all survived. it is so risky to have. It is so risky to have triplets. And, and not with only. With an IUD in, that can kill the baby. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I don't know if you get pregnant. Do they take it out or does that like disrupt stuff? I have no idea. I don't know. But this is not the first case I have heard I know. of an IUD person getting pregnant and it super freaks me out. I know. <laughs> anyway, she had triplets. So, And they're identical triplets because here's the crazy thing. These triplets all shared the same placenta and they all shared the same sac. So this made this pregnancy extremely high risk. Um, and so she ended up having to travel to Idaho Falls every week to see a specialist. And it says during the whole pregnancy, they told me that there would be lots and lots of complications with these babies. There were lots of things that could go wrong, but after every appointment, they just said, everything's doing good. They couldn't believe it. And neither could I, it's basically a miracle. So the babies were, the delivery date was February 27th, which was their anniversary, Um, they were going to, they knew the babies weren't going to make it till the 27th of February. So they had an induction date set for January 17th, but she went into labor on December 20th and she started dilating. So she went to the hospital and they immediately took those triplets because they were, it was just going so fast. So they are identical little girls. Um, one was three pounds and the other were two pounds and, you know, some odd ounces. And so, you know, for being two months early, those triplets are doing really well. Of course, they're going to have to stay in the NICU probably for, for two months, but it's kind of really, really a miracle. And, and this is her comment in the article. She says, 
I'm definitely overwhelmed and scared out of my mind. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine at 21 and not even married for a year? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be scared out of my mind too. (laughs) Seriously. In fact, I am scared out of my mind. And this article has inspired probably a 2020 vasectomy (laughs) for my husband. You mean a 2022 vasectomy? 2022. What year were we in? Yeah, exactly. He he doesn't know yet. That is now on the agenda for 2022. It's on the bucket list. (laughs) But good for her. She's going to do awesome. You know what? And she says, the more I get to see them, the more I am so happy and I wouldn't want it any other way. So Olivia, our hats off to you because first of all, congratulations on having three, on, on surviving a very high risk pregnancy, having three very healthy babies. And that's just awesome. And so, you know, the good news about doing this when you're 21, as opposed to like our age, Oh, you have a lot more energy when you're 21. She's got all the energy she needs. Exactly. But she did tell her husband, she's like, yeah, I don't think we're having any kids, more kids. I think we're done. (gasps) He's due for a 2022 vasectomy also. Exactly. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that the IUD didn't work, I'd be like, dude, chip, chip, snip, snip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next article is President Nelson's um, New Year's Day Social media post with his suggestion for New Year's resolutions. I loved this. The whole post, I loved it all. He put this cute picture associated with it um, with him in a red hat looking up towards the sky. It was a really cute picture. And of course, there was much speculation about his red hat because it was on the day that Utah was playing in the Rose Bowl. I was honestly waiting for someone to comment saying, is he wearing a MAGA hat? (laughs) Fortunately, no one did, at least that I saw. I am surprised that no one did. Hopefully, they're not thinking that. Anyway. Oh, trust me, some of them are. But I'm going to place my money on it was a University of Utah hat. Yes. Anyway, he had three suggestions um, for resolutions. The first one he talked about was resolve to strengthen your spiritual foundation. Um, He said this might involve setting aside specific time to study, pray, making temple worship a priority, etc. cetera. Uh, second, he said, was resolved to be kind to others. He said, you know, be more like the Savior, more compassionate, more understanding, slow to judge. And then the third, he said, resolve to be resolute. I love this one. I do. Like just like resolve to just do it because that's what we really need is the resolve to be resolute with our resolutions. I know because sometimes you're like, oh, I screwed up. I'm not going to try anymore. And he's saying, nope, keep trying. Yeah. And he does. He says, the Lord loves effort. I love it when he says that. Yeah. I feel like that's one of his lines. The Lord loves effort. I do. I feel like that is. Um, He said, the Lord loves consistency. Um, He gives us, he gives to us and will help us um, along the way. So. Excellent. I loved it. Best, best New Year's advice I've heard Exactly. And. My bishop was in charge of conducting for um, sacrament meeting on Sunday, which was fast and testimony meeting. And he used that as part of his testimony. And then my husband was so inspired when he sent an email out to the young men this week about activities. He put that in there as well. So very nice because they're going to do some planning this week for activities. So he was like, hey, keep these things in mind while we're planning for activities. So nice. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us for new stories. Shall we move into Mormons behaving badly? Yes. We don't have any new Mormons behaving badly, but we do have some updates on some frequent flyers. Exactly. We're going to start with Lori Vallow, and I'm just going to give you an update on her case. She was in court last week, and the prosecutor, she, she has this she has two attorneys. She's got a public defender, and then she has this attorney that she initially hired by the name of Mark Means. I could never figure out why she hired him because he's a civil lawyer. He doesn't do that much criminal work, and she got some pretty big criminal charges. And it was pretty evident in his court filings he did not do a lot of criminal work. Anyway. So the prosecutor filed a motion with the court to say, judge, he has all sorts of conflicts of interest. Kick him off the case. And guess what the judge did? Kicked him. Kicked him. Boot. He's gone. So now she just has the public defender, which um, should probably calm things down in her case because Mark Means was filing all sorts of stuff that that poor judge had to sort through and go, why are you doing this? Anyway. So that's my Lori Vallow update. 
My next update that I want to touch on is our favorite sheriff here in Idaho, the Bingham County Sheriff, Craig Rowland. Um, Jeff has talked about him. This is the gentleman who he, um, the young women delivered a thankful turkey to his door and he was a little less than thankful about it. When it first came out, we knew that there was an incident. We didn't know the details. And then he got charged with two felonies and a misdemeanor and the probable cause affidavit for his charges, which came out about five weeks after the incident, provided all of the details about how he pulled the leader out of the car, put a gun to her head, told her there were some F-bombs that were dropped. The poor little beehives were traumatized. Beehives were traumatized um, and justified it based on... Uh, the the Native Americans that lived next to him, and he had not kind comments to say about the tribe and the reservation. So um, a number of people have called for his resignation. The Blackfoot Police Department has called for that. The tribes have called for that. The three county commissioners have called for that. He has held the mayor. S- the mayor. Mm-hmm. He has held steadfast, and he is refusing to resign. He took a two-week leave of absence after the incident first happened, and then he returned to work. Even amongst his felony charges, he still returned to work. Um, when With all of these people calling for his resignation, his attorney made some statements. And, and, and his attorney, I, I, again, leaves me scratching my head, but they're, they're two peas in a pod. His attorney is this gentleman by the name of Justin Olson, who is actually a prosecutor in another county, but he has a practice in the Blackfoot area, a civil practice. He's the Custer County prosecutor. Anyway, um, in in uh, September of 2020, uh, Mr. Olson is a fair board member for the Eastern Idaho Fair. He was yanking 14-year-olds out of cars at the fairgrounds because they weren't supposed to be like... It, they they had gone into an area where you needed a certain wristband and they mm-hmm. didn't have the wristband, so he yanked him out of a car. So did he get arrested for that? He got charged with misdemeanors for okay. that. And then also at the fair, there was an auto dealership that was um, sponsoring a helicopter that was giving people rides around the fair. Well, I guess his house is near the fairgrounds and he was annoyed by the helicopter and he called up the auto dealership and they have a recording of this and he threatened the auto dealership, threatened to shoot down the helicopter. Oh my goodness. I know we got a bunch of hotheads over there. I've been trying to determine if the attorney is Mormon. Yeah, we need to know this. I have not been able to find any direct connection. Who do we know in Blackfoot? I kind of suspect he's has to be Mormon or Mormon adjacent, just because everybody in that area is, but I have I have no confirmation of that. So this is what his attorney is saying about Craig Rowland and his charges. So East Idaho News. Is are the ones who broke this story originally. And so the attorney says to East Idaho News, he says he attacked East Idaho News for publishing statements included in the court documents and said the news organization is a tabloid that wishes to cause drama and unrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, they <sighs> quoted from a probable cause affidavit. I'm not finding that to be tabloid journalism. But he goes on. The statement was... The statement, he's referring to the statement that Sheriff Rowland made about the Native Americans, was taken completely out of context by the investigator in East Idaho, not East Idaho News. It appears that occurred so Sheriff Rowland's name could be further slandered and his reputation tarnished by the media in an attempt to sway the jury of public opinion. What did the judge think of this? Well, first of all, I think. Sheriff Rowland's actions <laughs> might have done more damage to um, tarnish his reputation than what the media reported. So, Sheriff Rowland's in court last week on his initial court appearance. The prosecutor asks for two things. The prosecutor says, take his guns away and make him take a leave of absence as sheriff. Well, the judge said, hey, he's an elected official. I can't make him take a leave of absence. But I am going to take his guns away. So we have a gunless sheriff now in the state of Idaho. Nice. (laughs) Even Barney Fife got a bullet. We can't do his his job now. How can you be a sheriff without a gun? Well, because it's an elected official in Idaho, you don't even have to be post-certified. Really? Yes, I know. Isn't that crazy? So it was kind of funny because the judge ordered... Uh, the Idaho State Police to take custody of his guns. He wasn't very happy about that, the sheriff. He wanted his own county, 
the the deputies in his county to have control over his guns. And the judge is like, yeah, we're not going to have the fox watching the hand house. No. Then he wanted Blackfoot Police Department to have his guns. And Blackfoot Police Department was like, we don't even want you to be sheriff. We don't want your guns. <laughs> I wonder how many guns he has. Oh, I'm sure he has a lot. I'm assuming he's got quite the arsenal. I assume he has quite the arsenal too. Anyway, so here's what I have decided about Sheriff Rowland. You know, I gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Ammon Bundy for Mormons behaving badly. I think that Sheriff Rowland deserves a Hall of Fame Award for Mormons behaving badly. I think he's Hall of Fame eligible. That sounds appropriate. So we will continue to follow this story. Oh, and then one other funny statement that his attorney made is his attorney accused the attorney general's office who brought the charges because obviously there's a conflict of interest for Bingham County to investigate and charge. Mm -hmm. And when there's a conflict of interest, the attorney general's office steps in. He accused the Idaho attorney general of filing charges against him as political retaliation, as a political move, because... um, the Idaho Attorney General doesn't want to see him as sheriff. <laughs> now, I work for the Attorney General's office. And granted, I'm not in the criminal division, but I was highly offended by that because our Attorney General is very good about calling balls and strikes. He does not care whether you have an R behind your name or a D behind your name. If you engage in nefarious activity, you're going to get charged. So the best way to avoid felonies and misdemeanors don't engage in nefarious activity. I also think it's funny he even thinks the attorney general cares about I know. who is the sheriff of a small town in Idaho. Exactly. He doesn't keep track of the sheriffs. No. He's got bigger problems. He has the legislature to so worry he about. supposedly has bigger problems. <laughs> no, he does. He has the legislature. It's a much bigger That's problem right. than the sheriff. Anyway, we'll keep you posted on yes. the gunless sheriff. Yes. All right. I think that's it. Oh, we've got to do our favorite things. Oh, time for favorite things. Okay. I'll go first. My favorite thing this month is something I got for a Christmas present from Ooh. my husband. And it is a subscription box. You know, subscription boxes are all oh, the rage. They're the it thing. You can get a subscription box for anything. It's very true. Um, this one is called Sketchbox and it is a subscription box for artists or people who think they might want to become an artist, which is probably my category, wannabe artists. She's very creative. Um, Don't let her tell you otherwise. So I got my first box today. It comes once a month and it just has like art supplies. And so I got my first one today and it has like some powdered watercolors and a pad of watercolor paper, a little pad and like a cool pen and a paintbrush and I don't know, some other fun things. And then it Mm. also gives you a link online where it tells you kind of like what you can do with them and how to use them. Oh, how fun. So yeah, I think it'll be really fun. I'm excited to see what you get every month. I know, me too. I know. Okay. How about you? Well, my favorite thing is a podcast. (gasps) So I have been plowing my way through podcasts because I've been trying to make some health improvements for, for several months now. And I go out on a walk every day and I like to listen to podcasts while I walk. So I have a love of aviation. I have always loved aviation ever since I was a little kid. This is sick and twisted, but I'm really fascinated by aviation accidents, especially big. Well, it doesn't matter whether they're big commercial or little aviation, general aviation. I just find them fascinating. Mm. I know it's twisted. (laughs) Anyway, so there and, and my one of my favorite airlines, of course, is Pan Am. I never had the opportunity to fly on Pan Am, but, you know, Pan Am was kind of the queen of the skies, so to speak, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So there is this podcast called the Pan Am Podcast, and it, <clears throat> excuse me, it goes through all sorts of the history of Pan Am, um, from its beginning to things that happened with Pan Am. One of the ones I listened to yesterday was about the last flight that um, Pan Am ever made. Um, the, the pilot had flown into Brazil on a regular flight. And then he gets to the hotel thinking he's going to have a little layover. And Pan Am calls him and says, yeah, we're going out of business. Get back to the airport. You're bringing the plane back to America. Whoa. So he had to round up all his crew and everything. And anyway, it's just super fascinating. If you're an aviation nerd and a history nerd, both of which I am. And so I've just really been enjoying mm. 
the stories that they have been telling on this podcast and have been very entertaining while I've been walking. That sounds really good. And you should have told me about this before my 17-hour drive Ah. to Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, you you actually you would have liked it. And Mm -hmm. it's clean language. I mean, you can you can listen to it and it doesn't um the kids in the car. With the kids in the car. That's also a bonus. Okay. I'm gonna check it out. Okay. All right. I think that's it for us. I think that wraps it up. Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us tonight. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out at contact at thisweekinmornings.com. And uh, Jeff will get right on back to you. You can become a Patreon supporter for $3 a month to help us keep our lights on. And of course, you can find us on all social media platforms, the Twitter the Instagram, the Facebook. And we really do love and appreciate your comments in, in on, on our social media. So all right. Thanks with that, for listening and happy new year. Happy new year.